you to have your Bibles on hand as we'll be in several different passages today as we continue our study into uh, what we desire to be as a church based on what God has called us to be as a church. Um, Again, as a reminder, you'll remember um, last couple of weeks we've talked about a church that loves our summary sentence from a couple of weeks ago. We desire to be a church that is known for fellowship, accountability, discipline, and restoration resulting in the perseverance of our members. We want people to to come here and to confidently join our church knowing that they're going to receive fellowship opportunities that's rooted in Jesus Christ. They're going to have opportunities for accountability and growth uh, as they potentially wander. Um, And we said that if there are uh, measures to take when someone does wander, then we should expect that we are going to need to draw upon those measures, that we would not be given instructions about how to bring someone back if it was not possible for a believer to wander. And so we want to be a place where people can come and know that they can experience that uh, loving confrontation when needed and ultimately experience restoration that happens when repentance uh, occurs in the heart of an individual. We also desire to be a church that grows, uh, uh, a desire to be a church that is known for pursuing personal sanctification by imitating others through discipleship, resulting in the spiritual maturity of our, of our members. And so uh, we talked about uh, taking personal ownership, that we have a responsibility to pursue Christ, uh, to pursue sanctification, to become holy uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to pursue that, to seek that. Um, but that the prescribed measure in the New Testament and what we want to be available here is that we have older believers that are in place that our younger believers can come alongside and follow. Um, and so we want to model that. We want to teach that. We want to make that available. And I told you when we first started this series that it came about with me revising and editing our church website um, and wanting to make sure that what we portray on the Internet is an accurate picture of what someone would experience in coming here. That if we're going to put it on the website and say, this is what we are, this is what we want to be, that if someone comes and visits and ends up joining this church, they experience what our website says they will experience. And so uh, we've been working through different things that our website talks about, um, portraying that again in a teaching format here on Sunday mornings to make sure that we are on the same page and that we are doing what God has called us to do here in Sonoy. Today we um, continue our discussion uh, focusing on a church that serves... Um, And as I'm pulling this up, just as a reminder, uh, we do have these notes that are on the TV screen today available for you in a Google Drive folder. In your bulletin, you'll find a QR code. If you've got a a smartphone or a tablet, you can scan that code and it'll automatically pull up the link for you and you can access the folder. Each week, I'm going to dump the notes into that folder. So once you save that folder into your Gmail account, you can always pull up these slides from Sunday mornings. If you don't have a QR reader on your cell phone or tablet, then you can access the city. If you have internet connection right now on that tablet or phone, you can backtrack on the city a little bit. I posted the link a couple of weeks ago. It'll give you access to the folder. You can save it, and then you can access it at any point, any time to see those notes. Yep. Okay, and then Dave's posting that link each, uh, each week with the podcast as well. So if you subscribe to the podcast, the link is there as well, and you can access the notes um, through that format. All right, today, a church that serves, here's your summary sentence for today. We desire to be a church that is known for showing compassion and care to others, resulting in the use of gifts and resources bestowed to our members. We desire to be a church that is known for showing compassion and care to others, 
resulting in the use of gifts and resources bestowed to our members. So we're talking about service this morning, opportunities to serve, ways that we serve, being known as a church that serves. Um, And I love the reputation that I believe our church is developing, uh, the idea of compassion and generosity that flows from our church. We've had different opportunities uh, throughout our, our time here since we planted Uh, different opportunities to give, whether it was member situations here before we had a member care account set up in our budget. There were individuals that needed money that that came uh, came upon hard times. And so we appealed to you and you faithfully gave. We've had individuals that were involved in adoption situations where they came upon deadlines and didn't have the money needed to continue pursuing that adoption. We called upon you and you faithfully gave. And so um, I certainly commend our church for the reputation that we are developing, especially uh, the size that we are, uh, to be a church that so generously and graciously gives. Uh, Every time uh, Ben discusses the budget and our giving updates, I mean, it's a testimony to that fact that, that we are a church that, that is giving uh, oftentimes above and beyond what we potentially have. Um, the reputation of a, of a small church is not one that typically gives a whole lot. Um, last year, uh, we gave over, I think it was around 110000 is what you were saying, over the course of the year. Um, and so that's, again, a testimony to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of, of you here at this church. Uh, we desire to be a church, though, that is known for showing compassion and care to others. Um, more than just giving, uh, we want to be a, a, a place where you can use your gifts and your resources that God has given to you. And we're going to discuss some different roles that people have in this church for us to succeed in that desire. So if we're going to be a church that's known for these things, showing compassion and care, using our gifts and resources, then it involves all of us doing our part to make that happen. And so we're going to look at how each of us has a role to play in making that goal uh, come to fruition. First of all, we'll start this morning by looking at the role of the elder. The role of the elder here at Sovereign Hope. What is the elder's responsibility in, in bringing about this goal? How do we become a church that shows compassion and care from an elder's perspective? And I want to share with you a couple of ways that I see this in Scripture. First of all, elders have the responsibility to enable individuals to serve in ways that protects them to perform their elderly duties. We turn our attention to Acts chapter 6. A familiar passage to a lot of us. The church is is growing exponentially. Um, It's exploding uh, there in Jerusalem and in the surrounding areas. People are coming to Christ. They are seeing uh, radical change in the disciples, radical change in those that are hearing the message. And so that's leading to more that want to come and be saved and Acts chapter 6, the church has gotten to a point where it can't sustain itself. It can't take care of itself under the current structure. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So you've got the the disciples here who who are becoming overwhelmed with some of the daily responsibilities that the church was creating as more people were joining. 
And what they realize is that if we continue to give ourselves to these things, then we can't properly do what we've been called to do. Um, and so they, they reached out and they began to enable people who were gifted, not just anybody, right? It wasn't just, hey, we need a couple people to come do this. They were to pick out individuals who had a good reputation, who were full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who they could appoint this duty to. So individuals that they could entrust these responsibilities. It wasn't that they were just looking to pass this off to anybody and everybody. They saw these duties as really uh, important. Um, so important that the, that the unity and the, the further growth of the church is at jeopardy here. Um, and so they take this very seriously. Um, they want to get the right people in place to, to handle this. And if you continue to read on, what you find is that, that it works, that this new structure works, and there is unity, and the church continues to grow. In verse 7 it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. It's like one of the first crises that the church experiences. Um, there, there's a unity issue, and, and people are coming to Christ, but there's disagreement about how the church is being handled, and we're not being taken care of. So you've got individuals who are saying, I'm not being cared for the way that I should be cared for. And they were blaming the disciples essentially for it, because at that time the disciples were responsible for it. And the disciples said, okay, we've got to make some adjustments here. And so they divvied out the responsibilities. They said, okay, we need some individuals that can handle this, that are, that are um, faithful already, Right? They had to have a reputation. It wasn't, come prove yourself by doing this, and then if you can't do it, we'll, we'll go to someone else. It was someone who had already been proven to be the type of person that could handle it. And so they recruited these individuals, gave them this responsibility. They obviously handled it in an appropriate way because the disunity is squashed, and the church continues to grow, and people are continually added to the body. As elders here, Tyson, Adam, and I have the responsibility to enable you as individual members of this church to serve in ways that will protect us from uh, not being able to perform our elderly duties. We need to be protected so that we can do the duties that God has called us to do. And so that's where we began to call out deacons. I mean, we raised up deacons and you affirmed deacons to serve in the capacities they serve in here at this church to help alleviate that burden of responsibility upon us. What Ben does from a financial standpoint would deter me, Tyson, and Adam from much of what we do here at this church. The fact that we don't have to discuss the financial aspects of our church hardly at all at our elder meetings is such a relief. It allows us to tend to the spiritual needs of our church in our times of discussion to where we don't get weighed down and burdened about have the bills been paid? Have we, have we paid our rent this month? Have we paid our financial secretary this month? Those things are alleviated from us. And they used to not be. That used to be part of what we had to do when we met as elders. We had, to, we had to determine how much we were given. Can we afford to do this? Can we afford to do this? Can we afford to do this? Chris was brought on to help because we recognized a compassionate spirit in him, a desire to meet the needs of other people, um, but to do so in a way that does not enable somebody to continue in a state of need. Um, and so as people would come and, and have needs within our church, um, it was a burden upon Tyson, Adam, and I to figure out whether it was a valid need or not, and then how much to contribute to that need. And so Chris has been an asset ever since he began to serve as a deacon here to help coordinate and to help us understand um, the needs of our church and how to help meet those needs. 
Um, and then Melissa has been an asset to us in the fact that she tends and cares for a lot of the hospitality things that happen in this church. When people are having babies, when people are getting married, when people are, are sick and in the hospital and, and need uh, food provided for them. Very similar to what's happening here in, in this situation in Acts 6. Melissa is very quick to respond and to coordinate and to help make sure those things are handled. Uh, Lauren and I were the benefactors of that most recently with Mally's birth. Um, it seemed like the meals coming to us would never end. Um, and that was a great thing um, for us to constantly feel like people were showing up at our house to provide food for us. And so those are things that we recognized early on that we were going to need help or it was going to consume us and deter us from our elderly responsibilities. And so um, elders had that responsibility. So for our church to function the way that it needs to, it requires Tyson, Adam, and I being willing to give up some of these things because sometimes it's hard to give it up, right? Sometimes you feel like if I give it up, it won't be done as well as it needs to be done. Um, And so that's been a lesson learned for us. There's been things that we've had to let go of and and pass off um, because we we couldn't handle it anymore. Um, And we didn't want to handle it anymore, and yet we did want to still handle it. Uh, Probably one of the hardest things to give up for me uh, has been the bulletin to, to Maggie because I love, I love handling graphics. I love doing that type of thing. Um, and there came a point where I said, I just, I can't do this anymore. And I asked Maggie if she would start to do it. Um, and so she's been great at handling that. She has it printed for us every week. It's got the announcements so that I don't have to stand up here and rattle off everything that's going on. Um, it's got that information right there for you. Tyson no longer has to, to print and organize the, the music notes. He's able to pass those off to her. Those were things that we struggled with for a long time to let go of. Um, and eventually we said, this is taking away time that we should be devoted to uh, the spiritual needs of our church. And so we passed that off. Okay? We had that responsibility. If our church is going to be a place of service, then we have to pass off things that maybe we're good at, maybe we like to do, but it deters us from what our main responsibilities are. Secondly, elders have the responsibility to teach nurture and equip church members to serve okay so we pass off things um, and 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 continue to do the things that we're supposed to do but then we also seek to identify people that we can teach nurture and equip to do certain things in our church in ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right, so as elders, we have the responsibility to create this growing environment where our church can thrive, where we're equipping people to do the work of the ministry. Uh, Too oftentimes, churches are structured where a few are doing the bulk of the ministry. Uh, We want to be a place where uh, the bulk is doing the bulk of the ministry, where we are equipping people to serve and to use their gifts and to use their abilities 
and to allow those growth, to allow growth in the area of how they use their gifts and abilities, right? And maybe that somebody comes on and begins to serve in a capacity, and obviously the expectation is that in a year from now, they're doing it better than when they first started. And so uh, at times it may be asking somebody to do something that maybe they're not fully ready to do yet, but by asking them to do it and getting them involved, they begin to learn and to thrive and to grow into that capacity. They begin to stretch their gifts. They begin to realize they can do more than maybe they previously thought they could do. The elders have the responsibility to do that, to teach and to nurture and to equip church members to serve. Now, as we continue to get into this, I want you to understand that I think we've got to, at least at this church, we've got to break away from the mentality that serving here at Sovereign Hope is tied to programming. Because oftentimes when we talk about service opportunities here, we immediately want to draw upon what programs does Sovereign Hope offer and how can I get involved in those programs. And then oftentimes the expectation is what programs are the elders going to continue to develop so that I can serve in this church. And so we're going to try to attack both of those type of mentalities as we continue to get into this. Ultimately, I think the elders not only teaching, nurturing, and equipping, I think we have some specific responsibilities with certain individuals in our church. First of all, elders should help identify passions within members. Okay, so as we shepherd this church, as we're interacting with you in our C groups, I mean, as it stands right now, we have elders in every one of our C groups. As we're shepherding and nurturing and and uh, discussing in those groups, we need to help identify passions within members. Because sometimes people have abilities and they don't realize they have them, right? And so as elders, I think it's our responsibility to help cultivate, help individuals see where they could potentially serve. Sometimes we need that affirmation, right? Sometimes we need somebody to come up to us and, and encourage us and to tell us that we're capable of doing something that maybe we, we want to do, but we're hesitant because we think somebody else better could do it. All right, I think as elders, we should help identify passions within members. And then as members have passions that come up, as a member says, hey, I want to be involved in this, I'd like for our church to be involved in this, I think the elders have to help keep the passions of our members biblical, Okay, so we can't necessarily be involved in everything that everybody here in this church wants us to be involved in, right? There are uh, all kinds of things that we could be involved in. There's all kinds of organizations and ministries we could give our money to. As elders, we have to keep the passion of our members biblical. We have to make sure that what we're involved in and what we're asking people to be involved in lines up with Scripture and what Scripture has called us to be as a church. Now, I can tell you we've, we've never had an issue with this. Nobody's ever come and asked us to be involved in, in something that's not tied biblically. But there could be some organizations out there that uh, do good things, but maybe as we delve into their belief system, there may be some issues there that we would run into where we don't align with them. And those would be uh, organizations that maybe we wouldn't want to push people to be a part of. So it's possible that somebody could come and say, hey, let's start doing this. Let's be a part of this. And we would have to say, you know, uh, the values and the belief systems that we have here at this church, there would be a conflict there. Okay, so we have to help keep our members' passions in line biblically. But then we also have to help keep the passion of our members realistic. Okay, um, as a church, as a church of this size, uh, as a church that uh, brings in the amount of money that we do, we have to be realistic as well with what we're capable of doing. Okay, there's a lot of great ideas that we could have. Um, Having the people to support that is where the elders have to help determine, is this realistic for our church to be a part of it? Okay? 
Um, and I think that's an elder responsibility. As we provide the, the vision and the guidance for our church, we take your ideas, we work with you to try to figure out, is this possible for our church to do this? All right, and then lastly, elders should help advocate for the passion of members. Okay, so you come to us and you say, hey, I'd like for our church to do this. And we sit down and we say, okay, this is, this is great. This is a great opportunity for us because it aligns biblically with what we want to do as a church and what God has called us to do as a church. Whatever that ministry, whatever that opportunity, whatever that service may be. We then determine that it's realistic. That, yeah, we've got the amount of people in our church that could help sustain this. Or we have money that could be given to this. Or we could rally people to give to this. It's a realistic thing for us. Then as elders, I think we take you and your idea and your desire and we advocate for that here in our church. Whether it's on Sunday mornings, whether it's in our C groups, we help enable and equip and solicit help to see your passion carried through. I think that's part of how we as elders are to operate here in the area of service. Okay, We ask you to help us when we have things that we can no longer do that are deterring us from what we're called to do. We help teach and nurture and equip you to use your gifts. And then in ways, in in times when you don't know where you're gifted, we help identify those things for you. And then as God starts to stir in you and you say, hey, I'm gifted in this way. I'd love to see our church do this. We help make sure that's aligned biblically and realistically with where we're at as a church. And then we help advocate to make that happen. Okay? Some implications for us. That flow from that. First of all, when elders make intentional effort to equip, you should make effort to be equipped. All right, when elders make intentional effort to equip, you should make effort to be equipped. And there's all different kinds of ways that that we work to try to equip you guys to, to do the work of the ministry. Okay, we have formal opportunities. I mean, basically Sunday mornings are an opportunity to be equipped. You come and you sit under the teaching of the word. Because... What you find there in that Ephesians 4 passage, the individuals that are singled out as being given to the church to do this, what they have in common is the teaching ministry. So those roles, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the shepherds, while they all possibly had different functions, and it's not even clear what they all possibly did in the early church, what is, what is a, a link between all of them is their teaching ministry. Okay, So anytime there's teaching opportunities available through our church, you ought to make opportunity and, and, and intentional effort to, to be under that teaching, I think, as much as you can be. Uh, because that's effort being made specifically by our elders to equip. You should make effort to be equipped. We had probably our biggest group ever at our Man Up breakfast this past Tuesday. Um, and we, we were stretched wall to wall almost at Chick-fil-A. Um, and we were talking about the role of women in ministry Um, And there was a a mom with her son sitting behind this wall-to-wall group talking about can women be pastors and what's their role in the church. And um, it was interesting to watch her her trying to to listen in on on our group. Um, But it was such an encouraging time because we had individuals that were being equipped to think biblically about issues that sometimes are, are, are confronting us. I, I told our guys that morning, I said, I get confronted with this all the time at Trinity. I work at a church where, where there are women pastors on staff. I work uh, with kids who have women senior pastors leading their churches. So I'm asked constantly uh, how to handle this and what my thoughts are on this. And so uh, when elders make intentional effort to equip, you should make effort to be equipped as much as possible, as much as it works with your schedule, to see us making effort to do this. We're being obedient to Scripture, trying to be obedient to Scripture. 
we, we need you to help receive our obedience to Scripture. All right. Secondly, when elders aren't making intentional effort to equip, seek them out. Now, I don't mean in like a, a sinful, deficient way. But when there's, when there's times with your schedule, with your, with your desires, if you feel like, okay, what I'm receiving doesn't specifically address this for me. Like, I want to do this. I want to I thrive in this area. I want to use my gifts in this way. If you feel like we're not intentionally equipping you in that area, then you're welcome to seek the elders out for that. We're here to nurture, to equip, and to teach you to do the work of the ministry. Um, there's been individuals that have come and expressed and said, hey, I, I have a desire to, to be a deacon, um, and I want to know more about that. And in fact, the whole man up breakfast started because two individuals in our church came to me and said, will you start meeting with me? Will you start meeting with us and helping us understand what it means to be a deacon? Right. That was an area we weren't specifically addressing. We weren't specifically being intentional to have time carved out to teach what it would take to be a deacon. And so we began to talk as elders and we said, OK, how can we do this with these individuals? But then how can we potentially offer it to more that are maybe thinking the same thing? And so we said, let's start meeting at Tuesdays, six o'clock in the morning. And we can ask anybody that's available to come and be a part of this time together. And we're going we're gonna to teach people uh, to wrestle with what Scripture says and how to think biblically about certain issues that will ultimately come up if you're serving as a deacon, right? And I, and I challenged our guys a couple weeks ago. I said, if you're serving as a deacon or an elder in a church and you're working a secular job, inevitably people start to hear that and inevitably they think they can come and ask you all of life's problems and expect you to have the answers for it because you're a deacon, because you're an elder at your church. I have people in my office more than I would have ever expected that come to me, not to talk about principal teacher issues, not to talk about principal parent issues, but hey, can you help me with this issue? I, I heard you're a pastor. Um, and because of the relationship we have with them at work, they feel more comfortable coming and talking to me than maybe they do their pastor because they go to a large church. They don't have a relationship with their pastor. They come and talk to me. And that happens for some of our guys at their work. And so we've been trying to be intentional to teach them now how to be deacons and how to think biblically. But if we're not making intentional effort in a specific area, then you're welcome. And, and you have the responsibility to help seek us out and to call us to perform our spiritual duties. Number three, by serving your elders, you will produce more effective elders. And I can say this comfortably because I can pass this off and say specifically for Adam and Tyson um, without just lumping myself into this. But when scripture talks about our relationship to our leaders, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 says that we're to respect our leaders. We're to love our leaders. 1 Peter 5, 5, we are to submit to our leaders. Hebrews 13, 17, we are to obey our leaders. Hebrews 13, 17 also says that we're to make the job of our leaders easy based on how we respond to them. And then 1 Timothy 5 talks about supporting our leaders. Um, and so I think the more as elders we feel your love, your respect, your desire, it naturally affirms us and gives us more and more desires to function the way that we're supposed to. Um, and so it's kind of a two-way street. The elders have responsibilities, and the more you respond to us acting on the responsibilities we have, the more we want to perform those responsibilities. Um, and so I offer that as an encouragement um, to you guys. In talking about this, and I've already kind of stated this, I don't, and I'm not convinced at all from Scripture, that it's the elder's job 
to create service opportunities for everyone in the church. Okay? I don't think that as elders, it is our job to come up with as many programs and as many ministries and as many opportunities as possible so that everybody has something they can come and do. I don't think that's our job. I think instead our job is to teach that we have a responsibility to love and to serve, to let the Holy Spirit stir inside of you what that looks like based on your gifts and abilities, and then us help create that with you. Listen to this quote by um, Brandon J. O'Brien. He's the author of The Strategically Small Church. He says, Encouraging members to serve out of their passions and gifts has many strategic advantages. The first is that it multiplies opportunities exponentially. If a church's programming is determined by a single pastor or even a pastoral staff, the ministries the church offers are likely to reflect the gifts and passions of the leadership. If, on the other hand, the ministry develops out of the interests of the congregation, the spirit can lead in surprising directions. Okay? If our ministries are based on what I like to do and what I'm good at, it may not translate to what you want to be a part of and how you're gifted. Great example of this. When I showed up at Mount Gilead to be the youth pastor, there was a transition both in who was going to that church and who was going to the youth group from the time that Ryan left as the youth pastor and the time that I came. One of the ministries that they were doing at the time was a video game xbox type reach out ministry where they would do tournaments and games over the weekend and and people would come and there were people that had come and had joined the the youth group because of it okay i show up ryan leaves i I don't play xbox um i gave up video games a long time ago i just don't have time for it um the only video games i played were sports video games to begin with so halo tournaments didn't resonate with me But in my mind, I'm thinking, this is a ministry we do. We've seen great fruit from it. And so we started trying to to do these. And what I found is that none of our people showed up really to serve in them. And there weren't a whole lot of people coming anymore. And what I picked up on real quick is that there was a time for this. And it was certainly motivated by Ryan and some of the loves and desires that he had and how he connected with his students. And we were changing now. And there was a difference now. And, and, and there was no reason to carry that ministry on any further because a lot of the people that were left in the youth group weren't playing Halo and weren't wanting to be a part of that ministry anymore. And so we disbanded it and we started to do some other things. If it's strictly motivated by the pastor, if God calls me away, something happens to me, then our ministries have to change when the next pastor comes in. But if they are generated by you and your interests and your gifts and your desires, then we as elders can help facilitate the growth of that, equipping you to serve based on how God has led you to serve. Um, and, And it's motivated more by our membership versus our leadership. Strategically small church. We are a small church. We don't have the ability to create programs for everybody. Uh, We don't have the facility space to do that, right? We don't have the opportunity to offer all kinds of classes and and organizations and ministries to be a part of. We're very limited in our resources as far as church facilities, um, church finances. Um, And so we have to be creative and we have to rely upon you as the membership. All right, that was the role of the elder. Secondly, the role of the fellow member. Now, when we're talking about this, I mean... Not you personally, but everybody else but you kind of thing. So this is the responsibility that everybody else in this church has, excluding you. Okay, because we're going to talk about the individual you in a minute in your job. Okay, but 
This is what you should expect from the other members of our church. We've talked about elder expectations. This is the fellow member expectation. Church members have the responsibility to encourage others to serve. It's not just the elders that are called to do this. Members are called to do this with each other. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 and 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Our accountability group's purpose is not just to get people to stay in church, right? There's, there's, there's that aspect tied there. Let's don't neglect to meet together. Let's meet together and encourage each other and stir each other up. But it's not just so that you'll come to Sundays and accountability groups and C groups, right? Like, that's not the job of accountability. Our accountability groups, our designed meetings together, it's meant to be an opportunity for us to stir each other up to good works. It's me learning you and learning how God has gifted you and helping spur you on and encourage you to use your gifts for his glory. Right? Like I want to come alongside of you and I want to affirm you and I want to tell you things that I'm seeing about you. And this is an attack on our pride, which is a good thing. Right? Because we're focusing on someone else and we're trying to brag on someone else and we're trying to point out where else where someone else is good at stuff and not just spending all the time thinking about how we're good at things. Right? It's an attack on our pride. But our, our coming together as a church, our C group time, our, our accountability time, those, those smaller setting times, it ought to be a time where we're trying to encourage each other to serve more, to point out where we're gifted, where maybe I don't see myself as being gifted, but you do see it. And you pointing it out and you pushing me to use those gifts, to use those resources, to use those abilities that God has given me to further the church so that the church grows up into maturity. Church members have the responsibility to do this, to encourage each other to serve. We also have the responsibility to see the value in each other. Right? So you don't get to say, Adam, I'd love to do this, but my accountability group, we're just not, we're not gifted. Right, like they're, they're, I would love to encourage my fellow accountability people, but uh, you, you stuck me with a group where we're just not really gifted. There's not a whole lot of ways for them to serve. Right, First Corinthians 12 uh, helps correct any type of thinking like that. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. goes on to list some of the ways that we're gifted. Verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand and I not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Goes on again to just reaffirm the value that each member here at Sovereign Hope has, the value that each member at any local Bible believing church has. We are gifted differently. We are all needed if we're going to thrive as a church and be a church known for compassion and care. We use our gifts and abilities, and that's going to look different. It's going to look different. Um, you know, Dave's back there, and he's been serving for a while now with our soundboard. Um, I would be completely lost back there, right? And, and I think, according to what Tyson's told me, he hasn't had to he hasn't had to teach Dave and 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 press upon Dave to do a lot of the things that he does. Dave was made aware of a need. Dave jumped on it, and Dave has been rushing and pursuing it without Tyson having to oversee a lot of that. Dave comes back and says, hey, I figured out how to do this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and that's exactly what we needed. Somebody who was inclined in that area to kind of take that and run with it so that we could stop thinking about it, right? Um, That's an area where Dave is different than me, right? I can teach all day long. You ask me to go back there and to record myself teaching, and I don't even know really where to start, and I don't even know where to start about publishing it and keeping track of all that. So we're gifted differently, and it takes all of us working together to make this thing run the way that God wants it to. And God has chosen to give us different gifts so that we all see the value in each other. And we see where one is better at something than than we are. And we can highlight that and encourage it and honor it. And it allows all of us to grow up into maturity. Um, Third. Church members have the responsibility to serve each other, all right? So we encourage the service of each other, we value each other, and then we have the responsibility to serve each other. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you should love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. All right, some implications from the role of the fellow member. We serve each other by helping each other grow rather than criticizing and judging. Okay, the implication here is that as a fellow member to Topi, I have a responsibility, uh, especially now, we can say everyone has this responsibility to Topi as a member here, but especially those that are in his C group and especially those that are in his accountability group, those individuals have the responsibility to see him, to love him, to help him identify the gifts that he has, to encourage his use of those gifts, to affirm him and to stir him up to good works rather than criticizing and judging him. All right, we come alongside of him and we try to cultivate growth in him. 
Right? That makes all of us a, a minister on some capacity here. Right? We're trying to grow each other up. Number two, we serve by helping others to serve. We serve by helping others to serve. Right? And that, that's not a program. Right? That's not a program. You, somebody comes in and asks and says, hey, what service opportunities are here? Well, first of all, we've got to help them understand, well, we handle service maybe a little bit differently than other churches. We don't have a ton of programs. We're going to discuss what we do have at the end here. We don't have a ton of programs. But we certainly see our role in the church as being a role to serve each other. And with that, there are endless opportunities here at Sovereign Hope. There are endless opportunities for me to use my gifts and abilities to help encourage others to use their gifts and abilities. That's not something we can list on the back of the bulletin. That's not something that we can put a check out there for you to sign up for what you want to do. Right? Endless opportunities to serve here at Sovereign Hope if we're seeing it more as a mindset than a program. And we'll talk more about that here in just a minute. All right, this is what you ought to be able to expect from other people. Their encouragement to you to serve, them seeing you as valuable, um, them serving you. But now let's talk specifically about our individual responsibilities. Our individual responsibilities. Believers have the responsibility to make themselves available. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. There's a lot of availability mindset there. That we're to present ourselves, make ourselves available. Um, I'm capable of serving here. I I am ready and available to serve here in in whatever capacity needed. Right? We, We should not be in a mindset where we come into a church and we evaluate if we're staying or if we're going based on whether they have service opportunities that allow me to use my gifts. Because if they don't, then you're welcome here to develop your gifts and abilities and create those opportunities here because odds are other people would be able to come alongside of you. Right? It's an opportunity to be available. I'm available. I'm offering myself. I'm offering my services. We continue in Romans chapter 12, though, and we see that believers have the responsibility to remain humble in their service. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right? We have to remain humble in our service. That's a responsibility on us as individuals, that we don't think too highly of ourselves as we serve here at Sovereign Hope. But number three, believers have the responsibility to intentionally identify ways to serve others. Verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. So while there's this this idea of being available, it's not that you just sit back and say, well, I'm always available, but nobody ever asked me to serve here. Like I would love to serve. If anybody would ever approach me and ask me to do anything, I'd be willing and ready and able to do it. There's a transition from the availability mindset to now where we're to be active in our availability, that we seek ways to outdo each other in showing honor. We seek ways to meet the needs of others. We seek ways to show hospitality, right? You don't get to just sit back with your big house and say, man, if the elders would ever ask if I wanted to, if, if they wanted to use my house, I would certainly be willing and ready to, to let them use my house for whatever they wanted to. You say, hey, I got a house with a pool and Memorial Day is a great time to have a pool party. I'm going to tell the elders, you can come to my house every year that I live there. And that's what Anna did, Right. It's seeing what you have and saying, yes, I'm available, but when I'm even not being asked in my availability, I'm going to seek ways to serve. I'm going to seek ways to be useful. That's the idea here with what he says um, in this portion of Romans chapter 12. We identify ways to serve others. Believers have the responsibility to serve with the focus of God's glory, not their own. In 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God... Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. A reminder for us to keep ourselves in in check and in line with our own value. We see that we serve for God's glory, which is great. uh, And it's a great reminder that I'm about to share with you. Oftentimes we serve, we serve, we serve, we serve faithfully. We become known as that, and sometimes it causes the recognition to drop off. You're so faithful at serving, people stop even recognizing it. It's just become the norm, and there's less appreciation shown because you're just constantly doing it. You're constantly faithful at doing it, right? I don't know how often we commend Tyson for what he does on a Sunday morning after teaching all week and coaching to come in and continue to use his voice to help lead us in worship, right? Because we're used to him doing it every week. Right? We're used to him always showing up and being here to do it so it doesn't resonate with us to say, hey, I should thank Tyson for doing that. Right? Anna opens her house up once a, once a year for us to do the Memorial Day party. It's easier to think, hey, I should show appreciation and thanks to Anna. It's not always easy to remember to show thanks for those that show up consistently and do it time and time and time again to where it's just expected. The encouragement, though, for those that are in that type of situation is that we don't sulk and ask when are we going to be thanked for it. We're reminded in Luke chapter 12, verse 37. You know, sometimes we talk about Jesus coming back. He first came as a servant and he and he served and he loved. But when he comes again, he's coming on a horse and he's coming in all of his glory and he's coming as a warrior. But the picture is that he still comes to serve, that, that he never changes that mindset. In Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 37 
I was really encouraged by this when I was reading it yesterday. It says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. This is a picture of Jesus. Right. And so we oftentimes think of of us serving Jesus and, and we will. Right. Like he'll be our king and we'll be in service to him. But he doesn't stop being a servant to us as well. He shows back up and he's ready and prepared to serve and to demonstrate that example that's laid out for us in Philippians. Right. It's an encouragement to us that even when maybe the thanks don't come in anymore, there's still one that we are working for. All right. We're going to wrap this up by kind of, again, addressing that mindset. Serving in the church seems to be more about a mindset than a program when we look at the New Testament. Serving in the church seems to be more of a mindset than a program. First of all, the New Testament is full of commands for us to do something to one another. You don't find a list of programs that we're supposed to have as a church. You don't find a list of ministries that we're supposed to have as a church. What you do find is that every member is to be ministering to the other members without being programmed to do so. Right? It's supposed to be a natural outflowing of the gifts that God has given us that we are demonstrating love and service constantly to each other. Now, I put this in our shared folder um, so if you want access to it later, but I wanted to show you this infographic that kind of takes all of the one another commands in the New Testament and highlights some of the things that we see there. All right, it says, love one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another. The New Testament gives Christians a lot of one another instructions, things that we should all do on behalf of our family in Christ. One another is two words in English, but it's only one word in Greek. You see it there. Anybody want to pronounce that for us that feels confident with their Greek? Serve us right now and pronounce it. Okay? What they said? Um, Here's an overview of how it's applied in the church in the New Testament. It's used 100 times in 94 New Testament verses. 47 of those verses give instructions to followers of Jesus. Paul wrote 60% of those one another commands. I don't know what this part's about. We're just going to skip over it. I don't know why it's talking about worship leaders and kissing. It's weird. Some kind of inside joke or something i don't know right but he says four of them are about kissing sorry worship leaders they're neither unforeseen nor sloppy wet kisses i don't know why we're apologizing okay see um and and i don't listen to a lot of music so um yeah so some reference to david crowder there so we apologize worship leaders and tyson no sloppy wet kisses one third of the one another commands deal with the church getting along okay Uh, Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another before beginning uh, the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. Don't challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another and don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. One-third of these commands instruct Christians to love one another. You see those listed there. Loving one another through love. Serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Be devoted to one another in love. About 15% stress an attitude of humility uh, and deferent, or different, deference, deference among believers. Wash one another's feet. Give preference to one another. 
Don't be haughty, be of the same mind, serve one another, be subject to one another, regard one another as more important than yourselves, clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And then there's another, uh, another list, just ones that didn't fall into those categories, not judging one another, um, bearing one another's burdens, don't lie to one another, encourage and build one another up, stimulate one another to love and good deeds, we already talked about, pray for one another, be hospitable to one another teach and admonish one another. So all kinds of things in Scripture. You can reference those. Again, that whole thing's dumped for you into the folder. Um, All kinds of things that we are called to do to each other. Okay, so going back to that original discussion question that we uh, started our service off with, somebody walks in and says, what kind of service opportunities do you have here? You know, the, the, the simplistic answer is, well, our church is full of people that are yet to be glorified. And so there are plenty of ways that you can serve here because there are plenty of opportunities of growth that still exist for our church members. And, and we love and invite people to come in here and to help grow us up into maturity. Countless opportunities to serve here if we're thinking more about a mindset than a program, okay? Um, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, talks about us seeing our... Uh, well, I wanted to highlight a couple of things or a couple of verses real quick that really stress the attitude of using our money and our resources and our possessions as a way of service. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, talks about us being managers rather than owners. So it highlights that, that aspect of stewardship. Romans 12 talks about contributing to the needs of others and showing hospitality. Romans 15, 25 through 27, giving to people to help the financially challenged. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, generosity being a mark of spiritual maturity. 2 Corinthians 9, we've been given things in order to be generous with things. Let me read this one to you real quick. That's uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse... The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is allowing us to abound, why? So that we can abound in every good work. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So in my notes I wrote out there, we have been given things in order to be generous with things. God gives to us so that we can then be generous to others. 2 Timothy 6 talks about as our riches increase, our generosity too should increase. Hebrews 13, 16 talks about sharing the things that we have. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, we should not withhold aid when we see it and are capable of addressing it. I think when you look at all the one another's, you see a couple of, or three different things that really pan out there. Praying, sharing, and committing to each other. Right? There's, there's an aspect where I'm going to pray for you when I'm not with you. I'm going to share my stuff with you. And I'm going to be committed to you and your growth. I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to bear burdens with you. All those things can kind of be grouped into these three themes, I think. Praying for each other, sharing things with each other, and committing to each other. So if we think about a mindset more than a program, we've got endless opportunities to serve here at Sovereign Hope. 
We do have formal opportunities, and most of you were hitting on these as we talked about them in our discussion groups. First of all, we partner with the Coweta Pregnancy Services and I-58. We believe that those two ministries, those two organizations already put in place here in this community allow us to serve and meet the needs of people that we are called to meet in the New Testament. All right, so we're able to, to reach out and help promote life through Coweta Pregnancy Services. And there's different ways throughout the year that you can help be a part of that. There's been different fundraiser uh, 5Ks that we've participated in as a church that allows you to give financially, allows you to come and be a physical presence um, and represent uh, what our church desires for this area, for life to be promoted. Um, We've got the fundraiser gala coming up that we encourage people to come and to sit at the table. Typically in the past, the church has purchased the seats. Um, Typically, it's been $1,000 for a table. This year, they've reduced it to $500. Um, and so we, we would love, I would love to have to tell Ben, hey, we need to purchase two tables. Because what we've done in the past is we've said, hey, the church is going to pay for the table. We are now asking you to come and sit at the table and be willing to give that night when prompted. They've done um, silent auctions in the past. And so everybody that's come has typically bought something through the auction because the money goes to the Coweta Pregnancy Services. There's been a time in that evening where you're able to just straight write a check and give financially. Um, And so we would love to invite you to be a part of that night with us. A great time of fellowship. We sit around and eat together and hang out all evening and talk. Uh, We get to participate in the silent auction together, which is always fun to try to outbid each other. Um, But it's a great way to just give and to give generously to an organization that we believe in. I-58 is an opportunity for us to help take care of those that are in need. A lot of times being being able to help those that have uh, been left without a a spouse potentially. So when we talk about helping widows and orphans, um, it's not uncommon for I-58 to be helping uh, women who have children that don't have a husband in in their life right now. All right, it gives us opportunity to help those that are less fortunate and poor. If you can't be there to serve, then there's opportunities to give out of your pantry here to help support that ministry. We have several in our church that devote time during the week to give and to serve right there at the ministry here in Sonoy. Um, but it's an organization that we feel like we can partner with, that we can be a part of, and that we can encourage you to be a part of as well. And then the other formal opportunity that we oftentimes ask you to be a part of is the Sonoy events that we do. All right, so we, we work with the Memorial Day, we work with the car show, and work with the uh, lighting of Sonoy. We don't typically reap any benefits from that. Simply building relationships with people in this community that help run those events. It's an opportunity for our church to simply demonstrate that we are here not just for our agenda, but to give back to this community. I believe that while we are aliens in this world, we should also love the places that God has placed us, and we should be contributors to this area. If we're going to be here and set up camp here and try to plant churches from here, I think this community needs to know that we're not just here for what we want to do, that we are here to serve them and to love them, even if it doesn't mean they come to our church, even if it doesn't mean they give to our church. It's a step for us to serve together. It provides a great opportunity for you to serve with other people that maybe aren't in your C group, aren't in your accountability group, that you don't get to typically talk to on a Sunday morning. You get to stand there and help with traffic and empty trash cans and talk with people that you haven't normally been able to talk to. If nothing else, the benefit is that we get to simply sacrificially do something that benefits us in no way. Um, And it's a great way to give back to the community, and we have a great relationship with the people that orchestrate these events. Those are some of the formal ways that we ask people to serve outside of our church. There's ways to serve in our church with nursery and kids' classes. We have a bunch of people doing a bunch of things here 
that help make our services run the way they do and help make our church function the way that it needs to on a monthly basis. But if you're looking for current needs, current needs, you know that we've already expressed that we would love to see our C group uh, ministry expand. We'd love to see more groups form. In order to do that, we need leadership. Um, And so we've asked for people that are willing to be a C group leader at some point to take that burden of responsibility to let us know so that we can then reach out to you and have you start leading groups on Sunday morning discussion as a means to be equipped and to be trained to do so. Uh, We'd also love someone to um, oversee our visitor follow-up. This is an area that we know we are deficient in. People come and visit, and we do oftentimes a poor job of keeping track of that and reaching out to them and helping them understand that we desire for them to be a part of our church family. Um, It's an area where we're deficient as elders. We haven't had the time to really organize and keep that up to date and to uh, have intentional effort to be hospitable to those that visit our church. Um, We'd love for someone that could could take that on. And then ultimately with Chris and Melissa leaving, we are looking for people that can help fill the void that's going to be created when they depart our church. Some application for you this morning to consider. If we're talking about the themes of the one another as being to pray, and to give, and to share, and to commit to each other, then that's obviously our application for this morning. But in some specific ways, I want you to understand this. First of all, praying for each other. It's not just you should pray for each other. We give you specific ways to pray for each other, right? Miss Carolyn is very intentional to post weekly after Sunday, typically before Sunday afternoon is over. Here's how to pray for each other this week based on what was mentioned Sunday morning, whether it was Uh, audibly when we take prayer requests or whether it was written down. She collects all of that. She posts it on the city. It's all organized for you to apply the pray for each other component. Encourage you to do that because we're commanded to do it as part of the New Testament. Number two, to give and to share. We've asked specifically for you to do this in the way of Uganda. We've asked for as many people as possible to commit to give an additional $1,000 this year so that we can support those that want to go. We want to alleviate any need to fundraise outside of what this church is capable of giving. In order to do that, it means you taking on some extra roles, extra responsibilities, extra hours potentially, or getting rid of some things in your life that would free up $1,000 over the course of this year. That takes some intentional effort. You know, there was a, there was a need that arose at, um, at Trinity uh, to coach baseball based on some personnel decisions that were made. And when Lauren and I were talking about how I was going to uh, accommodate for all these things, I told her, I said, I really, I really want to coach the baseball team because it's going to provide money for us to give directly to Uganda. Um, and so while it's additional effort on my part, it's additional time away from my family, it's a sacrificial thing because I want to be able to give it directly to um, Melissa and to Chris to help fund what God has called them to do. So I want you to know I'm not asking you to do anything differently than what I'm doing. Creating opportunity in my life to make additional money so that I can write the check right back over to Sovereign Hope. We've asked you to find ways to give so these people can go, so that we participate, so that it's not just Chris, Melissa, and whoever else goes. We're all going because we're all making effort to do so. And then number three, committing to each other. Um, I read an article recently where uh, the the guy posed the question, Will your church suffer if you leave it? And while that's a, that could be a prideful thing for you to desire that, 
I do think that if we are doing what this is calling us to do, what Scripture is calling us to do, these outdoing one another's, these, these meeting each other's needs and serving and encouraging, if you decide to leave this church, it ought to be difficult on this church for us to replace you. It's going to be difficult to replace what Melissa brings to this church. The ways that she serves, but also the relationships that she has within this church. Right? My wife gets to go almost every Sunday uh, to go get coffee with her um, on Sunday afternoons. I mean, I know that's important to my wife, and I try to, to alleviate any reasons for her not to be able to go and to do that. It's going to be hard when she leaves our church. It's going to be hard when Chris leaves our church. And I think all of us should be so in with what's happening at this church that while it may not mean that you lead a ministry or lead a program, but just the relationships and what you bring to your accountability group, what you bring to your C group, what you bring to a Sunday morning experience for anybody that shows up, it ought to be hard on this church when you leave. If you're committed to each other the way that that the New Testament calls you to be, if you are then removed, there ought to be a hole that has to be filled. And that allows someone else here to step up and to fill that hole. But it ought to be hard. If you're really committed the way that you're called to be committed, it ought to be hard when you leave this church. It ought to hurt. In a good way, because most of the time you're moving on to something that God's called you to do, but it ought to hurt a little bit for this church. And we ought to be thinking, how's this void going to be filled? Because they were so committed. They were so committed here in carrying out what the, the New Testament has called us to be. Let's pray together. Father, I, I want us to be a church that, that's known for this. I, w- I want people to experience a church when they come and visit and desire to join, that they are surrounded by people that love them and desire to serve them. And God, I know that we're limited with, with our resources and facilities. We can't offer a lot of the big ministries and programs that some of these other churches do. We can't offer these, these big thriving kids programs that needs all these teachers and, and uh, assistant teachers. We can't offer a, a, a food ministry and a clothing ministry out of our own facilities. God, we're limited in what we can do from a programming standpoint. But God, we are not limited in what we can do from a mindset standpoint. You have given us plenty of church members here that are still a work in progress. You've started the work, but you have not finished the work, which means there are countless opportunities here for us to serve each other and to love each other and to give to each other. And so, God, I pray that you would break us from a mindset that would say that service here at Sovereign Hope involves programs. God, we're thankful for the programs you've given us to be a part of. We are thankful that we can partner with the Coweta Pregnancy Services and come alongside of them to promote life to minister to the women there that come seeking hope and help. God, we're thankful for Karma and Anthony and those that are so instrumental in keeping the I-58 ministry going here in Sonoy. And I am thankful for those that commit weekly to be up there serving and to organize and to, to contribute and to give of their time to help make that ministry run. And I'm thankful for those that every time there's an opportunity to give out of their pantry, they are faithful to do so. God, I'm thankful for the opportunities to serve here in Sonoy with the events that they do and how it gets us out of our church and into the community. So, God, I'm thankful for the programs, those formal things that we can do together. But, God, I pray ultimately that you would help us to see that serving here at Sovereign Hope and using our gifts that you have given to us are primarily meant to be used towards each other. 
absent from a program. You called us to love each other and to grow each other up into maturity, and it takes all of us with all of our different gifts and abilities to do that. God, I pray that we would all embrace that type of mindset, embrace that type of mentality, so that we are all in, in our prayers for each other, in our giving towards each other, in our commitment to each other, so that when we send people out, as we desire to plant churches, when we send people out, it will create voids here, and it will be hard to send those people out. But God, help us to realize it only creates more opportunity for more people to step up and to grow and to use their gifts. God, we pray that you would create that type of environment here, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As you prepare to leave this morning, I want to encourage you to give in the back as you've faithfully given as church members always.